want to read you this verse. I was reminded while I was standing down there as Jen was speaking. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. John writes in the book of Revelation, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. He's speaking of the enemy, Satan. He's speaking about our victory at the end of time. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. You may remember if you joined us last week, we concluded our service as we began talking about the effect that Jesus has on our life. How all of us, I believe, have some aspect, some area of our life that is in need of a resurrection. And we joined together by putting our hands like this. And I asked you to take before the Lord, what is it in your life that is in need of a resurrection? And I was reminded of that verse because there's a dear couple, and I'm not going to call them out. They knew who they are. But he came up to me this week, and his eyes were about this big. And he said, Pastor Allen, I have to tell you. He goes, there is a dead relationship that we have had in our family for years where we haven't spoken. And God brought life to it this week. There was a resurrection that happened this past week. And I just, the word of our testimony, this is why it's so important that we testify to one another and we share. And I, I thank you and I thank that gentleman for, for coming up and, and reminding me of, let's see how, of watching and seeing how God works. God is always working. And he's moving in our lives, and we need to celebrate that and rejoice in that. And so I also recognize that for many of you, when you put your hands together like this last weekend, and I asked you to think of what needed resurrected, for many of you, for some of you, it was sickness. There's an area in your physical body. It could be anxiety, it could be depression, it could be someone that you love, a mom, a dad, a sibling, a child that is facing physical illness. And they need a resurrection. They need a divine healing in their life. And the truth is that all of us at some point are going to come face to face with sickness and disease. Some moment in our life, it's either going to happen in us, it's going to happen to someone in our immediate family or someone, an extended family or someone that you love dear. And for many of you, you are facing that right now. And in those moments, you as a follower of Jesus, us as Christians, we are going to have to come face to face with our beliefs about divine healing. We're going to have to answer the question, does Jesus still heal today? We're going to have to wrestle with that. And the sad reality is that oftentimes, even in the church, even among Christians, we look at that answer and our answer is, we look at the two extreme answers to that. On one side, and I'm going to paint a picture for you that's an exaggeration, but it's an extreme on one side, we look at the fiery, big-haired, slick TV evangelist who just tells you that you need to either have more faith, you need to give more, or you need to do this. And if you don't do those things or you're not receiving healing, that's the problem. How many know what I'm talking about? That's one extreme. 
And the other extreme is the stoic, cynic person who believes that anyone who says they have been healed is either delusional or they're lying. And that the miraculous, the gifts of the Spirit, and all of that ceased in the book of Revelation or with the apostles. We tend to look at divine healing, or oftentimes, as polar extremes. And let me tell you that both of those are wrong. But the rub is somewhere in the middle. Because all of us have have experienced and know that God doesn't always answer healing the way we would hope he does. And so now we're left, well, God, I know you heal, but I don't always see it. So we're left with questions. These are extremely difficult questions to answer. But we're going to wrestle with them tonight. And I wish I could tackle all of them, but my sermon would be more than 30 minutes. So we're not going to do that. But as I have prayed, as I have prepared, and as I have studied for this week, I believe that it's really important that tonight and in our services tomorrow that we wrestle with that. But even more importantly than wrestling with the question, does God still heal today? And if he, we don't see healing, why? is that we are moving towards a time this evening and at the conclusion of all of our services tomorrow where those who are sick can be anointed with oil and prayed for. And we are going to believe together that we will have testimonies and we will rejoice in them because God will heal. So as we look at a powerful and an insightful chapter about God healing, I want us to recognize And acknowledge together this significant truth. And here it is. We must pursue healing with faith. And then trust the healer with the timing. We have to pursue healing with faith. But then we need to trust the healer with the timing. So Father... We come to you, and as we have already sung and we have heard, we speak your name, Jesus. The name in which people are saved, people are healed, and people are filled with hope and joy. And in the name in which you bring that which is dead back to life. So God... We bring our faults and our failures. I come to you this evening as an unworthy vessel. But Lord, the one that you have chosen in this moment to speak through. So God, I pray that your spirit would speak. That you would anoint these lips. And God, as we move and believe that you are going to answer prayer. I pray for those who are sick in their body. That Lord, you would stir a faith in them. Not in an outcome, but in you, our healer. In the name of Jesus. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn to the fifth chapter of Mark. And I will warn you, I'm going to read through a great amount of text. And of course, they're going to put it on the screen um, and on the monitor here beside me. But I don't want us to miss anything. 
So if you're, if you're reading along with me in your Bible or on the screen, really pay attention to this and don't get lost in the amount of text that I read. It's probably a familiar story to most of you. And it is about Jesus healing in response to faith. And there's two healings that take place. So let's go to the 21st verse in the 5th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. The Bible says this. Jesus got into a boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with a constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. So here we find two healings, two miracles that happen. And there are two people that receive this healing from Jesus. One is Jairus and the other is an unnamed woman. We learn about Jairus in this text and the story of this healing also takes place in two other Gospels, and so we can find out a little bit more about Jairus and the unnamed woman by looking at those stories. But Jairus, the Bible says, was a local leader 
in the synagogue of Capernaum. Now, Capernaum was kind of the home base where Jesus and his disciples ministered out of. So Jairus would have been well-respected in the community. People would have known who Jairus was. And of course, he has a 12-year-old daughter. The Gospel of Luke says it's his only child, and she's 12 years old, and she's dying of an, of an illness. She's sick. And so as any desperate father would feel and be, he looks for all of the answers and he comes. This, and think about it. He's a religious leader, a Jewish religious leader in the synagogue. Most of them did not like Jesus. But because he's looking for help for his daughter and will do all that he can, he comes to Jesus in faith and asks Jesus to go to his home to lay hands and heal his daughter. And of course, as we saw even last week, Jesus sees the situation, he's moved with compassion, and he engages with Jairus and begins the journey to Jairus' home. But all of a sudden, that journey is interrupted by an unnamed woman who also, for 12 years, this woman suffered with hemorrhaging. She suffered with constant bleeding. And the Bible says that she had sought out a lot of help from doctors. She had spent all of her money on trying to get help, but instead of getting better, she got worse. How many of you know someone or have ever experienced that? You try everything you can. You see the second opinion, the third opinion. Do all that you can, and you end up spending all these resources, and you don't get better. That was the situation of this woman. She was broke, and she was at the end of her rope. But not only that, because of her hemorrhaging, because of this constant issue of bleeding, again, we're dealing with Jewish culture, she would have been ceremonially unclean and she would have been a cast out from society. So she wouldn't have had friends. So not only was she broke, not only was she getting worse because the doctors couldn't help her, she was alone and she was cast out from society. But here she is, believing that I don't even need Jesus to lay hands on me. I don't even need Jesus to know who I am. If I can just get and touch the hem of his robe, I know that he, there's enough power there that he will, I will be healed. So having heard about this, she does all she can, and that's exactly what happens. She fights through the crowd. No one sees her. Jesus doesn't even see her. She touches his robe, and she is instantly healed. However, just as she quietly snuck through the crowd, and again, remember, she's ceremonially unclean. She's a castaway. She doesn't want anybody to notice her. So she receives her healing, and just as she quietly and secretly approached Jesus and received her healing, that's how she wants to leave. But Jesus feels the healing power go out of him. And then he asked this question, who touched me? Which you just read, the disciples are looking around going, Jesus, I mean, we're jam-packed around here. What do you mean, who touched you? Why would Jesus do that? We'll get to that in a moment. We'll answer that question. But regardless, Jesus calls out, he sees the woman and he recognizes her. And now he engages in conversation with her. She falls to her knees and she's scared to death, the Bible said. And there in front of Jesus, she tells him what she's done. And Jesus tells her, your faith has healed you. Go and suffer no more. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Suffer no more. Now, while all this is happening, 
Don't forget, Jairus is waiting for Jesus to go to his house and heal his daughter. Can you imagine Jairus in that moment? Remember, Jairus is a respected leader in the synagogue, okay? This would be like a politician, a government, like he's followed, he has a little mark on Twitter, like everybody knows who he is. He has like 5,000 followers on Facebook. So, I mean, everybody knows who this guy is. No one cared about the woman, but everybody knew who Jairus was. And he's waiting on a cast out woman to get her healing while his 12-year-old daughter is dying. And of course, sure enough, what happens? While Jesus is engaged in conversation with the woman who received her healing, messengers come up to Jairus and say, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore, they say. Now, I wish, (laughs) I wish Mark would have told us what Jairus said in that moment, or at least give us what his nonverbals were doing. Can you imagine? Jairus, I'm a father. I'd have been pretty ticked off at Jesus. I'm sure Jairus had a world of emotions going on. The Bible doesn't tell us. But the Bible does say that Jesus heard all that was going on. And then Jesus says this to Jairus. Jesus looks to Jairus and he says, don't be afraid, just have faith. Now you know how this ends. We just read it. Jairus doesn't know at the moment, but he says, just have faith, Jairus, I got this. And sure enough, they go to the house. Jesus kicks everybody out and says, why are you all weeping and wailing and getting ready for a funeral? She's just sleeping. They laugh at him. And then all of a sudden, they get to experience the effect that Jesus has. He speaks and she gets up. Now, if we look closely at Jairus, if we look closely at the unnamed woman, we're going to see that Jesus challenged both of them in two distinct different ways. Just as they were distinctly different people, Jesus challenges each of them. He challenges their faith differently, but he challenges both of them. For the woman, you see, she desired to approach Jesus in a very private manner. She desired and she needed immediate healing. She had been suffering for 12 years in dealing with this issue. However, while she had faith, she wanted to quietly and secretly, without anybody knowing, without even Jesus knowing, she just wanted to receive her healing and get the heck out of Dodge. For Jairus, he was well known. It was very public. Everyone knew where Jesus was going. But Jesus challenges the woman. Jesus stops and he could have let it go. He could, it could have let that miracle be quiet. But Jesus stops and says, who touched me? The reason he stops the woman is that he wanted the woman's faith to be moved from private to public. He wanted to encourage the woman's faith and her faith to come out of its shell. No more hiding. No more embarrassment, no more isolation. Now her healing needed to be a public display of God's glory. And I believe he wanted to encourage and push this woman and say, you no longer need to hide it. I need your faith to come out and to be public for my glory. Jairus was a different story. 
Jairus, too, needed immediate healing and immediate attention for his daughter, who was 12. And again, just like the unnamed woman, Jairus had faith that Jesus could heal his daughter. However, Jesus' timing for Jairus' daughter healing was different than his. You see, unlike the woman, Jairus, again, was very respected. He was a public figure. The crowds were about to see in a very large way what Jesus could do, this amazing miracle. Jairus thought, though, he came to Jesus seeking healing for his daughter. Jairus came. This is, this is amazing. Jairus came to Jesus asking for healing, not a resurrection. Jesus had something else in mind. How often is that true in you and I? You see, Jesus, Jesus was walking to Jairus' house to heal her of a disease. And she dies in the process. And Jesus challenges Jairus' faith to say, you have faith in me, but I need your faith to persevere. I need your faith to be in me, the person, not in the outcome. I need your faith to be in the healer, not in the healing. And so for those of us who need healing today in our body, I ask you, which are you? Which faith do you have? Do you have a faith like the unnamed woman who needs to be encouraged and needs to be brought out of its shell? Brought out of its shell? Are you one who may lean more towards the, the stoic example that I got? Well, Lord, I just, I don't know. I don't see you work. I, I read about your healing, but I just, I just don't know. And so you're afraid to ask for healing. You're afraid to... Maybe I just, I don't want to be disappointed again, so I'm not going to seek help. I'm not going to seek healing. Lord, I, I believe you did it in the Bible. You did it back then, but I just don't see it today. And you, like the woman, your faith needs to come alive. And could it be that Jesus wants to do something in you that he receives glory in a public way and your faith comes out of its shell? Or is your faith like Jairus, where you are praying for a miracle but maybe not realizing that God has something else in mind. And Jesus is challenging your faith just to persevere. So I want to go back to my initial question. Does Jesus still heal today? Yes, Jesus still heals today. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that healing ends at the, at the end of the ministry of Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible does it say when the Bible's over, at the end of the apostol apostolic age, that miracles end. In fact, Jesus says that his followers would do greater works than him. The apostles continued the healing work of Jesus. And we have seen God heal throughout history. Jesus is still the healer. The second question, well then why doesn't everyone receive healing? Often we have much confusion because we fail to recognize what healing actually is. What I mean by that is often the times when we talk about divine healing, we look at the example in Mark chapter 5. Divine healing being a resurrection of a dead 12-year-old girl or the healing of a woman hemorrhaging. And certainly those are examples of divine healing. But I believe 
as I pray, as I have seen in my own life and as I have been a pastor, there are four types of divine healing. So when we ask the question, well, why doesn't God heal? I think it comes because we have a, maybe a bad definition of what divine healing is. I believe there are four examples of divine healing. Here's the first example. Right now, all of our bodies are created in a way where when sickness, when bacteria, when a virus enters into our body, immediately white blood cells are released. And they go and they attack the virus. They attack the bacteria. They attack the enemy. Oftentimes you will see our body has an amazing way of reproducing and healing itself. Can I remind you that God created us that way? There is divine healing happening all of the time. And it is a gracious gift from God. So many times our bodies are being healed in ways that we never recognize and we don't give thanks to God for. It. Divine healing is happening at all, in all of us all the time. That's one. Another example of divine healing. I was just in Gabon, Africa. I told you about a little girl who was born weighing one pound, five ounces, who needed a machine to breathe and a precise procedure on her eyes if she was ever going to see again. And because there were doctors, there were nurses, because there was a hospital in that rainforest, because they had a little oxygen machine that she could be hooked up to, because there was medicine, because there were hands and minds that knew how to do this intricate procedure on her eyes that she would see again, healing was brought to her. And God, that is a gift from God. God gives us men and women and medicine and, and machinery to, to help bring healing. And it happens all over the world, and most of us have experienced that one way or the other. It's an example of divine healing. The third example, a Jewish rabbi goes to a blind man, and he lays his hands, and he says, see, and the man sees. Example of divine healing, a woman who has cancer goes to the doctor, has a tumor, and the doctor tells her she has five years to live. And she goes and the leaders of the church pray hands, lay hands on her, anoint her with oil. The prayer chain is activated and prayers upon prayers go up. And at some point she goes back to the doctor and they do the x-rays again and without the, an explanation, the doctor say, I don't understand the tumor is gone. Divine healing. And here's the fourth example. One day there's going to be a sound from heaven that'll sound like a trumpet. And in the quickening of an eye, every physical body will be completely whole. Alzheimer will be no more. Limbs will grow back. Minds will be made right. Eyes will be open. Tongues will be let loose. Ears will be open. Backs will sit up straight. No more pain. No more suffering. That's divine healing. So the question is not, does God heal and why don't we see it? The question is, we have faith in the healer. We just have to trust his timing. Jairus didn't expect Jesus to raise his daughter from the dead. He expected him to heal his daughter of a disease. But Jesus had something greater in mind. And that's the part we have to have faith in. 
Let me remind you that faith is not in an outcome. Faith is in a person. Our faith is not in the healing. Our faith is in the healer. It's not about stirring up in you a certainty that the outcome that you need is going to happen. The faith comes, God, I believe and I know you are the healer. But when I say thy will be done, that means my will may be undone. But you're the healer. James chapter 5 verse 14 writes, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Elders in that verse and throughout the New Testament are used as leaders of the church. And I've reached out to our elders and others on the prayer team, men and women. I'm going to invite you to come. You know who you are in this moment. Would you come spread out here on the front? I think you know me well enough by now that I say what I think and I'm pretty transparent. And really for about six months, uh, George Thomas, one of our head elders know this because I've shared this with him. God has been stirring in my heart that we needed to pray for the sick. And I just, I've been wrestling with how do we do that? And I felt we needed to have some teaching on that. And as I was preparing, even last week, it's like, I really felt the Lord say, this weekend's it. And again, let me tell you, it's, it's hard as a pastor. I, I believe and I know, I have seen God heal. But we step out in faith too, going, okay, God, I trust in you that you're gonna move and you're gonna work. I know that there are those of you here today that you need a physical healing in your body. We want to pray with you and anoint you with oil. They're simply going to ask you one question when you come forward. What are you seeking the Lord to heal today? It could be physical. It could be emotional. It could be anxiety, depression. It could be addiction. But if you need a physical healing in your body, for some of you, this is the part of faith you need, like the unnamed woman. You, it's, you're very uncomfortable in this moment. You need to come out of your shell. I'm going to ask that you come down and find one of our prayer people here. We want to pray and anoint with you oil. If you need physical healing, we want to believe with you. Some of us have fasted and prayed for this moment throughout this week. Right now, would you come? If you're watching online, we have people online. We can't anoint, we anoint you with oil online, but we can pray with you. If you're at our homestead campus, I know Pastor Shell and others are there right now at the altar. But we're going to turn this place into a time of prayer. I'm going to ask those that are in this room that you would have a spirit of prayer, that you would be praying for those who are coming. Just make your way down. It's okay. We've got people spread on out. There may be a time where I come back and officially dismiss you because we're just going to turn this into a time of prayer. Pastor Christian is going to lead us in worship.
Would you pray with me? Let's pray for those to receive healing today. Over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break.
dismissal, but I, I just want to pray, especially for those that may be watching online or at Homestead or that you're here. Would you stand, those of you that are here, would you stand before we go? After I pray, I'm just going to ask that we be respectful of what God is doing here. If you want to remain and pray, you can do that but we're going to allow God to work. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the ways in which you answer prayer that we don't see. We give you praise and glory and honor for how you move. I thank you for the testimony that I heard from my friend this past week of how you brought a dead relationship to life. Lord, let that encourage us that God, you not only hear, but you respond. So I pray as we leave this service tonight, I pray over those again that are here receiving prayer for healing, those that have been, those that are in our congregation, those that are watching online, those that are at Homestead. God, I pray that we would have a flood of testimonies. God, I pray against any discouragement or lies from the enemy. Lord, when we don't see it right away, for those that may be like Jairus and sought healing and didn't see it, and God, you wanna do something greater and better, I pray that our faith would be in you, just as you said to Jairus, have faith, trust me. So God, we do, we trust you. Lord, we know that you move. I pray for our services tomorrow, God, that you would have divine appointments for those that need healing, that you would wake them up and bring them here. So God, we love you in your mighty name, and we have faith. Amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Your name is here. Your name is alive. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. Your name, your name is power, your name.